You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 233 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stemmings and, well, I'm not in the kitchen studio this week, but I'm back and we are at Smith HQ. I know, who'd have thought that, hey? We're actually broadcasting from my gaff for a change. Mm. That's going to be... Uh, that's, in in, in the up, uh, well, it's the up and coming studio. Yes, hopefully, yes. Yeah, so the new one. My, my, little old, my little box room here is sort of being converted into... Uh, into a nice space so yeah fingers crossed uh yeah, we say a couple of glitches still here in the studio so apologies in advance if you get any weird whiteouts and things it's a very much a work in progress but uh yeah we're, we're getting there aren't we yeah it's coming together quite nicely we've got our new chairs in here which yes. are all really comfy, comfy. yes and that, yeah it's great yeah, so i might uh, actually make it through a show without a bad back i know yeah. that's good yeah. and <laughs> also joining us uh, via the realms of uh, google hangouts it's uh, the awesome sir neville bounds Yes, hello everybody, and uh, it's been uh, a very interesting weekend here so far. I, I've got some new swag, my new NevTech uh, uh, yes. polo shirts here. Uh, but posh. more importantly, uh, young Carlos has uh, very kindly uh, given me a, a <laughs> gift, which is called the Mini Karaoke Microphone. And uh, although I shan't be using it this week, I'm going to find some connectors. Are you? I'm using <laughs> it on next week's show, and we can see how, how, how good it is. Uh, just hold that nice and close to the camera there, please. That really does that look, look like it's that. got... Oh, I mean, honestly. So, uh, yes, basically, for uh, not, I'm trying to describe, work out how to describe this to those who are listening to the audio version of the podcast um uh, i can't use the word that i want to use but it's something along the lines of crap uh, <laughs> inadequate inadequate, <laughs> inadequate is another good word yeah i tell you what you yeah, you yeah. guys are going to yeah. get such a shock because when nev finally plugs that in and tries it it's going to be like the it's going to be like 4k audio it's going to be that good. If that was even a thing, Carlos, I'd be very excited for you. But uh, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, right. Well, yes, yes. I look forward to it, Nev. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> so joining us as well, we have a very special guest joining us this week. And uh, he's been on the show but ages ago. But the reason he's not been on the show uh, uh, sooner is because he's just been flying everywhere literally around the globe a million i mean this guy does about a million miles a week i'm sorry to interrupt actually neil warner's landwarn's come up with a brilliant idea nev nev i'm sorry that microphone needs a muff i'm sorry yes, it's, okay. it's, a, it's a bit naked one is she right yes <laughs> excellent so we're going to welcome back onto the show adrian meacham morning morning uh, glad to be back after like you say um I wouldn't say I've been doing a million miles but yeah i'm, I'm getting around a little bit still going to have to stay about six weeks I bet if you sat down and worked it out, uh, Adrian, I think I think you might be in for a bit of a nasty shock, actually, judging by uh, some of the flying you have been done. You can't be far away from that, yeah. I wouldn't mind your Avios points, though, I'm not going to lie. Uh <laughs> yeah, 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 the miles are good. Um, yeah. One thing I haven't been doing, unfortunately, is uh, flying myself. Oh, of um, course, yeah. GA, but uh, anyway, hopefully, hopefully I'll get back to that soon. Yeah, no, well, that's that. That is good. Okay, so it's uh, <laughs> Captain Nell says the microphone looks like it should belong on a TriStar. By the way, I don't. Yeah, know. <laughs> uh, Captain anyway, Nell's in the chat room, everyone. Yes, moving absolutely. swiftly on. <laughs> okay. So it is the 9th of September, and uh, it's just coming up to twenty past ten in the morning on the Sunday morning here. And uh, we've got loads of people in the chat room joining us this morning. So welcome, everyone. Mariana, Captain Al, obviously, Richard Adams. Uh, we've got Neil Landwall. We've got Mash is in the chat room. Uh, Richard King. 
Auntie Liz, I'm oh. um, just scrolling up here. Flyer152, hello to you, who's at the barbecue we had a few weeks back. And I'm uh, just scrolling up the list, make sure I've not missed anyone. No, no, I don't oh. think I've missed anyone. Else. Well, That's you fine. know, the safe thing to say there is an apologies if we've missed anyone. So, and everyone else who has joined yeah. us in the chat room, uh, it's all good. But uh, it is the the beginning or the first show of the month, essentially. It or, is, no, well, yeah. no, or is it? Or is it the second? No, it's, it's it the, is the, first, the first show of the month. And uh, we're going to hand things over to Nev yes, because we've got some very special yeah. mentions for this week. Indeed, yeah. Oh, yes, of course. And at the, uh, the first show of the month, we always uh, say thank you very much to our fabulous Patreon donors. And uh, they are Adam Spink, Adrian Meacham, Adam Wilson, sorry, uh, Andrew Wilson, I beg your pardon, Captain Jeff, Eric Graves, Evan Shue, Graham Haley, Jeff Ward, Jonathan Warner, Jordan Rose, Lee Parkinson, Liz Piper, Matt Caton, Matt Donemeyer, Matthew Bunting Frame, Myla, Neil Lanwarn, Nick Anderson, Nico Reger, Philip Laib, Ray Williams, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, Stephanie Plummer, Steve Andress, Stuart Black, Trevor Smith, and York Mola. Thank you, one and all, for your fantastic contributions, and Absolutely. it makes such a difference to be able to, to do that so that we can keep the show on the air. Absolutely, very much so. In fact, actually, one of the names that you mentioned there, of course, I think needs special mention also, because it's a certain Captain Nick Anderson's birthday today, uh, which uh, obviously we don't want to forget. So I don't know if you're, I don't know how the voice is this morning, Carlos. Is, are, are you... Uh, we could we could do a little ditty, well, couldn't we? So, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nick. Happy birthday to you. That was painful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, I was trying to do the harmony there, and then Carlos followed me. That never mind. Uh, anyway, all part of the fun. Very uh, painful. Yes, uh, nice use of the microphone there, by the way, Carlos. Um, not yeah, Carlos. I um, thought the uh, quality was excellent. Absolutely, absolutely. Nice, echo, nice bit of echo on that. I, I, I'm impressed. Yes, yeah, so I think it's safe to say that uh, <laughs> Captain Nick is counting down the milliseconds as to when it's he. It's one uh, year until he retires. Ooh. Absolutely. He's going to miss it. He's he going to. I'm sorry. It. I don't care what he says. He's, he's saying he can't wait. And mind you, I don't know how he has time to go to work as it is with all his bowling and goodness knows what else. But anyway, well, yeah. from and all actually, of us here at the World of PT UK, it is very much happy birthday from us all. Yes, happy birthday, Nick. Do you know what I heard on on, uh, on a recent APG episode that Captain Nick had won a a, a prestigious bowling he had, award yes, he did, yeah. um, for some sort of achievement or something for bowling for lawn bowls. Right. So well done, Nick. Right. Well okay. done. Who'd have thought? That lawn bowls was it in the uh, over seventies class? <gasps> That's a terrifying. <laughs> yes, uh, all complaints, please directly to uh, podcast at plaintalkingukcom and direct them, please, to <laughs> Sir Neville of Bounds. He's uh, he's eligible now for a, for a bus now to take him from one end of the uh, green to the other to, to collect his bowls. Right, okay. I think that's the first time that we've ever mentioned lawn bowls on the show. I, have I know. To, I have to be honest. Anyway, uh, that's not aviation related, and we probably no, should start doing exactly that. So, uh, so yeah. we are going to start. But we actually, first before we start, we have got loads of this week. We've got uh, quite a lot of segments to get in this week. We've got a special segment from. Uh, Nev, an NPE segment. We've also got some uh, footage from Farnborough uh, with Captain Al, and uh, we've also got uh, a Pip sent in a segment this week. He has, yeah, <gasps> absolutely. Yeah. Pip's actually sent a segment in, so we've got that as well coming up. But first, we are going to start the show as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am indeed, yeah. And if you're ready, Nev. Yep. And if you're ready, Adrian. I'm indeed. Let's go. 
you know so, what? I think that's one of the smoothest fades I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so I'm having a... It's, everything's all laid out slightly differently because of this new version, so apologies. Production I'm, I'm, values yeah, have absolutely. gone yeah, through the roof gone here. through the roof here, haven't they? Yeah, so this week's absolutely. first <laughs> news story is on thepunchlinegloucester.com. Uh, I beg your pardon. I know, thepunchlinegloucester.com. <laughs> the and uh, this uh, headline is uh, uh, plans for airport training academy spark protests so local people and councils have protested against plans for a major flight training centre at Gloucestershire airport they fear it will lead to training flights 24-7 and involve night flying which could severely impact on many people's quality of life Skyborne Aviation has a applied for permission to build a, a four-storey high 79-bed student accommodation block as part of the Flight Training Academy for aspiring commercial pilots. The company says the gross contribution to the local economy generated by the development in spending power would be between £1.5 and £2 million a year. It would also create up to 50 full-time jobs. There's a global shortage of qualified airline pilots and only one other comparable flight training academy in the UK. Skybond Aviation believes that it, uh, the scheme, if approved by Tewkesbury Borough Council planners, will help make Gloucestershire Airport the leading venue for both general aviation and commercial pilot training. But local people have objected to the scheme, claiming it would be uh, lead to intensification of airport activity beyond its existing opening hours. Down Hatherley Parish Council said in a statement to Tewkesbury Borough Council that the activity linked to the proposed development in the Green Belt would severely impact on many people's quality of life and blight their properties due to the extended airport operating hours and night flying it requires. Therefore, we object to the application. Well, as being a lover of aviation, <laughs> I would right. I would just, I mean, my answer is probably, you can probably guess what my answer would be to that. Yeah, just bear in mind, this is a family I show, know. ladies and gentlemen, family, family show. show. <laughs> yeah, I just think, oh, I, I don't know, but... I mean, if you look at the pictures of where the, um, where the airport was situated, I mean, there's not that there's many not housing great, estates around There's not much around, around it. But then you think, you think um, even with our local airfield in, in Beckles and how rural that is, and it really is away from... Oh, you still get people whinge yeah, there? Yeah, well, this is it. And you, you really mm. aren't... You're not even... It's not even like it's right in the middle of Beckles, do you know what I mean? Uh, mm. So it's on the outskirts of Beckles, but people still... Complain, but you know there are rules about you have to avoid a certain yeah. left turn. You have to Death be, a, yes, yeah. you know, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, but one pe- one thing that people tend to forget a lot in situations like this is that nine times out of ten, the airport was there or the airfield was there yeah. before the housing estates were built. But you could say that about pubs as well, can't you? Mm. I mean, the amount of times you know, pub. I, I one pub I can think of that's local to us that's been essentially here since like the year thirteen hundred or something stupid. And I'd also ex- like to congratulate the journalist on this uh, piece of work, oh, no. uh, Bev Hawes, who said they fear it will lead to training flights twenty four seven. Wow, <laughs> interesting <laughs> okay. for GA opera. Yeah, yeah. Do they do a lot of night flying? No. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. Oh, well, there we are. Uh, what, what do you reckon, Adrian? You've uh, you obviously you've got uh, Tatton Hill, which is um, not far from you. Yeah, actually, I know Gloucester Airport pretty well. It was uh, actually where I did my uh, solo cross country, so it was uh, quite a nice little airport. Actually, still airport. It was to me and my little uh, sister. It felt like a kind of big airport, you know. With, air traffic control and business jets and, and there was, was actually uh, when I landed there and I went in to pay my fees and get to you know, get my visa signed it was actually a, 
a baggage carousel there, which, which I, I really thought I'd made it. I thought I was a real pilot when I landed there. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's a, it really is a cracking little airport. It's, it's really nice. And um, it's probably a bit more built up around there than you may think. Right. Um, actually, GCHQ is pretty much at the end of the runway. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so that, that new big sort of donut building, you, you kind of fly over it um, in one of the directions. Mm. When you, so that's kind of interesting. So but, uh, no mention of that has been one of the reasons for not Yeah, yeah, great little place. Yeah, work. actually, yeah, that, that must be a concern. Obviously, you know, a, a major uh, sort of security outlet like that being, not being a million miles away. I mean, you do. Yeah, it was really strange when I first flew, flew over it to land. I thought, I'm in the right place. Should I be here? It was just yeah. really yeah. strange. No. Have I accidentally ended up in some kind of, you know, sort of military stronghold? Yes. Or something, you know, <laughs> that was pretty like... much what I was thinking, which, uh, Oops. Yeah. Yeah, with my navigation skills, it yes. could well have been. Yeah. Gre- gre- we're, not, we're not going to talk about that <laughs> yeah. now, Adrian. Gre- gre- greeted on the tarmac by several AK-47s. That's all. It's, always, it's always a welcome you look forward to, pretty isn't much, it? Yeah. Pretty much the deal, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, no, it's, listen, it's, it's a great effort. You can see why they would want to expand it. It's got a real good sort of infrastructure. So. Yeah. yeah. It's got neighbours out, so that's what it goes. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, and Matt, it's uh, a special one just for you, as always. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. So this is on the independent.co.uk, uh, and uh, I think we covered uh, some of this actually last week. Uh, so Ryanair amends... What, what are you pointing oh, at? a bit quiet. Uh, am I? Oh, yeah, there oh, we go. You're apparently back. I was a bit quiet. Oh, dear. Yeah. I, shall, I shall... Hang on. I'll just There we go. That's better. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. He's falling down. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, it's, it's getting closer and closer. We need to tighten this up, I think, actually, because my one's, my one's playing up here. Anyway, sorry, independent.co.uk. The headline is Ryanair amends controversial new baggage policy just weeks after announcing it. So Ryanair has made yet more changes to its baggage policy two weeks after announcing that passengers will only be allowed to take on one small bag for free. Europe's biggest airline caused controversy when it reported that from the 1st of November, its free baggage allowance would no longer include one larger suitcase and one small bag. Originally, Ryanair stated that anyone travelling after that date, even those who had booked their flights prior to the rule change, would have to pay extra even if they wanted to take on a second larger bag with them, either by buying priority boarding or by paying to check in a 10k bag. However, the low-cost airline has had a change of heart and announced that those who are flying after the 1st of November but who booked before the 31st of August can check a 10k bag in for free. Some 2 million customers have been alerted by email that the free checked bag has been added to their booking. Anyone who was booked before the 31st of August but subsequently paid for priority boarding after the new rules were announced will have the €8 that they paid refunded. Wow. Refunded? They'll they'll bounce, though. Stop it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And uh, yet... um, yet they can still travel uh, with uh, priority boarding for free. So Ryanair's Kenny Jacobs said all passengers who had booked on or before the 31st of August will face no extra cost or inconvenience as they have today received a a free 10k check bag from Ryanair uh, added to their booking. We're also looking forward to welcoming some 50,000 passengers on board after the 1st of November who made their booking before the 31st of August but uh, who bought priority boarding over the last two weeks who will now receive this free service uh, a uh, as always Ryanair continues to lower the cost of travel while our new bag policy from the 1st of November means we can eliminate all free gate bags 
and related flight delays. Ryanair first revealed its new luggage policy on the 24th of August, insisting the move was purely to improve timekeeping and was not a money-making mm. exercise. Passengers have only been getting used to the airline's latest cabin baggage policy since January. The latest rules now allow passengers to take two bags through the security checkpoint to the departure gate. But from the 1st of November, travellers can choose to take one small bag for free, that's 40 centimetres by 20 centimetres by 20 25 centimetres, pay from £6 for priority boarding and take an extra 10 kilogram bag as hand luggage, or pay from £8 to check in an extra 10k bag. However, as space in the cabin is limited, the number of customers eligible for priority boarding is capped at 95 per flight, about half of the passengers. After that, those who want to bring an extra bag and will have to pay £2 more to put it in the hold. The airline claims that only 40% of passengers will be affected since 30% already by priority boarding and 30% currently travel with one bag which fits within the small bag dimensions. It's a new charge but fares are going down at the same time, said Mr Jacobs. This is a fair outcome customers will get used to. I should probably add an extra word into that. This is a fair outcome that customers will have to, to get, get used, used to, to. <laughs> but uh, there we are. It's um, why don't they, why can't they just change it and leave it? <laughs> Every five minutes, just change, just pick, you know, you, choose you an do, option, leave it. You do worry that maybe one of the reasons why they're why they're um, they're doing all the changing and things is literally to generate confusion. A small part of me is suspects that, uh, that that you know because people are going to be paying fines and stuff at the gate, and perhaps they rather foolishly thought that uh, the gen, you know the GP, the general public, wouldn't notice. Do you have any thoughts on this, Nev? Well, as I said the other week, the uh, the problem with they've they've got is that they've uh, they keep changing the rules, and I think uh, just as you get accustomed to the rules, they change them again. And even some of my uh, Ryanair experts that do a lot of flying, they're going, we, we can't keep up with it. No anymore. idea what the rules are. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that is a that is a valid point, isn't it? The the, the concern is is that they say they're changing the rules so readily, nobody actually knows what they are. I mean, I, mm. I I feel sorry for the cabin crew. I really do, because of course these are the, these are the poor guys that are, that are having to deal with the brunt of it when mm. when uh, these changes are um, are happening but uh, I mean what what was the matter with the old system though that you know I sort of managed to work that out you got your one <laughs> yeah. bag and you knew that all you could take on was one bag you know and you knew that you, if you if you had a handbag or, or something else that mm. you had to put it inside the bag it's it's you know why why make it really really complicated and then everybody could get all their bags in and it was never a problem. It's only since they started le- le- allowing extra people you know extra luggage on board that, that the problem started. Surely they'll just take the seats well, out at some point. What do you reckon, Adrian? Obviously, you 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 fly Ryanair uh, quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I actually avoid Ryanair. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, mainly because we you know. If, to go with such an airline, I much prefer EasyJet and next to Jet Two. We we got the Jet Two set up in Manchester, so we're, I really don't like travelling with Ryanair, mainly because of all this confusion with bags and everything else. It's just yeah, no, it's not ideal, is it? Um, no. Yeah, we're going to uh, move on to the next story now, and Nev, uh, Nev uh, perhaps you'd be so kind. Yes, it's on the telegraph.co.uk, and I have my uh, British Airways American oh, Express dear. card here Ooh. and a pair of scissors. Right. <laughs> Am I going to do a live cutting of my... No, I, of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> I got... Do you know what? <laughs> oh, I got... I got... I thought it got a bit uh, warm here in the studio. In my view, it's unnecessary. Uh, yes. And uh, this is why. Uh, it says that British Airways was warned by IT experts 
that it was vulnerable to a hack in which criminals could steal customers' card details earlier this year, it's been claimed. The airline announced on Thursday that it had suffered a major hack, compromising the bank card information of around 380,000 customers. Due to strict new data protection laws, British Airways is now facing a fine of up to £897 million pounds, or 4% of its parent company's turnover if regulators find that it's not done enough to keep customers' data safe. Uh, the Telegraph can reveal that last year the airline failed an industry standard for consumer data protection, which is required by card providers, Visa and MasterCard for all companies accepting, transmitting or storing any cardholder data. The standard, called the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard, is a set of security standards designed to ensure that companies which accept, process, store and transmit credit card information keep it secure. British Airways said it has had a uh, fully operational uh, monitoring tools which uh, is used to check for suspicious activity. It added that the standard related to the protection of customer accounts, none of which were compromised during the attack. An IT expert told the newspaper that had, it had warned BA that it was vulnerable to being hacked, called, accusing it of sticking its head in the sand over the state of its IT systems. British Airways denied that it received any such warnings. Derwin Jones, who's the chief executive at payment provider Ultracom, said this latest breach is a serious wake-up call, particularly to the travel industry, that we uh, live in a new era of sophisticated hacking where no company is invulnerable. The airline admitted criminal activity had compromised the personal and financial details of customers who made bookings on its website or app just before 11 p.m. on August the 21st until 9.45 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, British Airways confirmed Friday morning that hackers had obtained names, addresses, credit card numbers, expiry dates and three-digit security codes on the back of cards, enough for them to make fraudulent payments. Furious British Airways customers have been uh, left having to cancel their credit cards with many reporting that they had, had money taken from their accounts and rogue direct debits set up in their names. Alex Cruz, British Airways uh, chairman, revealed that the hackers were very sophisticated criminals who had not hacked the company's encrypted data uh, but rather gained illicit uh, access to the airline system. Well, I think that although this is quite a big story it's mm. a very common story this is happening all the time and uh, we're always going to be one or two steps behind the criminal fraternity so i spoke to uh, american express uh, on friday about my card and they said yep. no, don't worry about it mr bounds uh, we'll let you know if we see any fraudulent activity on your card in fact it has happened two or three times where they've seen something in their system yeah. uh, that has not even appeared on my statement or as a payment and they said yeah we've got a bit of a problem we're going to cancel your card but you'll have a new one in the morning and sure enough and sure enough there it was uh, the yeah. thing the thing that concerns me about this story though I, I completely take on board what you're saying nev the thing that bothers me about this story the, the most is that having done some various car transaction processing in the past myself through websites and things now i've you know we've always used um you know in a, you know say for example if you use barclay card as your payment vendor um standard procedure is that it's the payment vendor who is dealing with so it's Barclay card themselves if you like who are dealing with processing that card payment and normally what you do is pass information back to the website that is sort of taking a payment to say yes that's gone through or no that has not at no point do card details under normal circumstances go on to you know 
in BA's website. So the thing that concerns me here is how uh, so having somebody having my card number doesn't bother me. Somebody having my expiry date doesn't bother me. Somebody having my um, address even, while slightly alarming, it still doesn't bother me. The fact that this system has stored, which is a very, very big no-no as far as car processing is concerned, the fact that the your three-digit security pin on the back of the card has been stored is a massive, massive fail. That's not supposed okay. to happen. Yeah, yeah. That so, That's the bit but, that worries me. Now, I know that's not BA's fault because they use a third-party... Um, vendor for for doing that and obviously presumably they will be the ones who are directly responsible for um, you know these things but now and let, I, 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 admittedly I've only got experience with one system so perhaps uh, I just was I got lucky and I used a good system perhaps with with the when I've been setting up websites for people in the past but as I say I was under the impression that that those last three digit card you know that was literally supposed to be used for authorization purposes only ba the, did say in a report that i, I saw during the week yeah. that they, that data is not stored but i that's actually uh, contradictory to a few other items yeah. of the reports that i've seen so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what uh, what comes what comes out of it yeah absolutely i mean either way this third party vendor i think you know i think is you know about to get a very large large bill aren't they mm. but uh, yeah it's just uh, that as I say it was that really that bothered me that much I mean, you know as you say all the time nowadays unfortunately you know you we're never going to be one step ahead of the of the fraudsters are we that's that's the long the sad truth of it is there'll always be you know hacking systems and trying to get details but uh, yeah it's um I must admit on the one occasion where I had it happen to me uh, my bank was very good and they actually phoned me up before I knew anything was wrong <laughs> Yes. And, said and actually, uh, Al has been, uh, Captain Al has been commented in, in, the, in the chat room. He says that I've had my BA card hacked. I've never been to Spearmint Rhino. Right. <laughs> well, I know differently. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's slightly slan slanderous. Oh, uh, uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> quick. Danger. So we'll the, ne the next uh, <laughs> story, moving on, is uh, for Adrian. If you, are you still there, Adrian? Yeah, yeah, still here. So, um, yeah, so this is coming from uh, CNN. So, uh, Captain buys 40 pizzas for his airline passengers after plane forced to land due to weather. Story goes on to say, passengers from American Airlines flight 2354 from Los Angeles to Dallas-Fort Worth were bracing for a long night. The plane was diverted to the regional airport in Wichita Falls, Texas, on Thursday due to severe thunderstorms and 140. 59 frustrated passengers were facing the prospect of being stuck there until the morning. So, trying to ease their inconvenience, the plane's captain, Jeff Rains, called the local guns and ordered 40 fresh pizzas for delivery to the airport. Um, and then there's a video uh, which would make the plane showing the captain running backwards and forth delivering the pizzas. And um, uh, in a message on Facebook, the captain said his, his entire team participated to help the passengers. Thanks for the compliments, however. This was a team effort, Rain said. My first officer was on the telephone with the crew, tracking, um, arranging for our release, and hotels for the entire crew. And um, the attendants manned a gallery cart from the aircraft, serving waters, juice, and sodas to all the passengers in the terminal. Um, thanks to everyone for your help, he said. went on to say, there is no hiding team. Um, American Airlines confirmed to CNN the flight was diverted because of bad weather and continued its journey to Dallas-Fort Worth on Friday morning. The 
well and say, we're always proud of our crew members who take great care of our customers to fly in America Islands. And unfortunately, they are the best in the business. It's like something our Captain Jeff would do, no doubt. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, 40 pizzas for one one takeaway, that seems like uh, that would take a while to get something. But, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps they still thought they were having a, uh, a pizza eating competition. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> Well, no, no, Captain Al wasn't the one in charge there. I think otherwise... That'd be that chicken might... nuggets. Yeah, I've chicken nuggets yeah, for yeah. a start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I guess like, yeah. I, ch- I challenged Captain Al to a pizza eating contest. Bring it on. <laughs> no, maybe not. Be like a, okay. be like a really bad yeah. episode I mean, of it, Man vs. Food. Says, uh, yeah. It says 40 fresh pizzas. I, I should imagine some were fresh than the others. I mean... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the last ones out the other may have been fresh, but I'm not sure about the first one. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. Nice gesture from... The Absolutely. Uh, just just a quick uh, apologies, uh, guys. We, we are aware we are having a few problems with uh, Adrian's audio, which we'll try and sort out in a moment. But uh, yeah, so just just bear with us while we while we try and get the uh, duplexing thing functioning properly. Uh, right, uh, Carlos, if you could uh, take on the next story, I would be grateful. Yes, the next story we have is on the EU.USA Today. Uh, dot right. com website. Okay, good. And uh, it's good news for those of you who live uh, in uh, in the US because a new airline, California Pacific, is ready for West Coast takeoff. So make room for California Pacific as the USA's newest airline brand. California Pacific Airlines West Coast flights are set to begin on November the first this year, culminating eight years of a start up and stop efforts to launch the carrier. The airline will be based uh, at the McKellen Palomar Airport or Paloma, Paloma, there we go, a secondary <laughs> airport that sits about 30 miles north of San Diego in the California city of Carlsbad. The airline has announced four routes from Carlsbad, with the first two to San Jose, California, and Reno, Nevada, set to launch on November the 1st. Additional services to Las Vegas and Phoenix Mesa will debut two weeks later, uh, and California Pacific will use 50-seat uh, Embraer E145 regional jets for its flights. The launch of the service will uh, be a welcome milestone for the airline, founded in 2010 by the now 97-year-old Southern Californian businessman Ted Vallis. Uh, he said that we're going to put a smile back into flying, he said to CBS San Diego in March uh, people are going to want to fly us again, even for short trips to Las Vegas. But it's been a challenge for California Pacific to get off the ground. The carrier ran into numerous roadblocks, ranging from problems with uh, need that needed approval from the uh, Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, to reaching an agreement with the San Diego County, which owns the Carlsbad Airport. There have been several planned launches that have come and gone, but finally California Pacific has set a firm date that it appears likely to meet. There's a great deal of relief and joy, Mickey Bowman, California Pacific's chief operating officer, said to the San Diego's Union Tribune last week. It's obviously been a long time coming, he said. California Pacific's decision to purchase and rebrand an existing airline appears to have paved the way for its long-anticipated launch. Uh, Aerodynamic Incorporated, ADI, a small Georgia-based carrier, was acquired by California Pacific in 2017. The move gave California Pacific access to ADI's FAA operating certificate and a fleet of four Embraer 145 regional jets. 
California Pacific announced on the 1st of August that it would rebrand ADI as California Pacific, effective from the September the 1st. That paved the way for the launch of California Pacific standalone operation in Carlsbad in November. Technically, some California Pacific flights have already begun. Two other routes that uh, ADR operates from Denver as part of a government contract have already switched over to the new California Pacific name and booking platform and those essential air service routes to the South Dakota cities of Pierre and Watertown have expected to continue at least until the federal uh, contract ends in 31st of July 2020. But those flights may remain if things go well for California Pacific. Bowman tells USA Today uh, in the Sky blog that aside from its main base in Carlsbad, California, Pacific also hopes to build its book of business out of Denver as well. And, uh, well, it's safe to say it's nice to see an airline start up because we obviously see lots of airlines that um, don't do so well these days, Matt. Obviously, mm. uh, airlines that cease to operate. I, I was, I was just going to say, uh, the picture that I put up, is by any chance it the correct picture, Nev? Is it is it the right one? Oh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, yeah, that was, that was Hang on, there you go. Sorry, I've, yeah, I've popped it up. It, it is actually the right picture. Is is correct, it? Oh, well, yeah, there, there we correct. are. There's the, no media fail on, on their part there, then, at least. That makes a change. Actually, oh, that's dear. the same the same jet that uh, Stuart flies. Is it? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, get well soon, by the way, Stuart. Yes. Bless, yes. He, our our uh, our, uh, our friendly pilot has had a bit of an accident. He did. Yeah. Yes. I've been and seen him in hospital this week, and Stuart yeah. is on the mend. He's just awaiting operation this week on mm. his foot. Made a bit of a so, mess of it on his yes. bike, basically. So all the best, to you Stuart. Hope you get well mm. soon. Hope to see you back in the skies, uh, Ace. Yeah, ASAP. absolutely. But it's all right. Carlos was very good because he brought him grapes and uh, what I can only describe as the. <laughs> Biggest pile of aviation-related reading material I've ever seen in my entire life. Eight uh, months' worth of Airliner World magazine. Yeah, right. Now sit beside Stuart's um, hospital bed. Indeed. I dare say the hospital are absolutely thrilled. What do you reckon, Nev? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> superb. But uh, no, I'm very sorry to hear about uh, the poor chap. But, yeah. Uh, that's not good, but uh, yeah, I hope he gets better soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, a, a, it's my story next, isn't it? And it I've been is, so yeah. busy faffing around that I haven't. Even it's <laughs> on the abcnews.go.com. Right. Okay. So this particular couple, uh, according to this, are travelling the world for free using two million banked airline miles. Oh, it sounds like Nev here. Yeah? Uh, it's just like. Uh, <laughs> No? Okay, Chad and Hannah, this is on the ABC News, as Carlos said, uh, Chad and Hannah are living everyone's travel dreams. The couple is celebrating their second wedding anniversary in Hawaii and then heading out to travel the world for a year using two million miles they've racked up by strategically playing the credit card bonus game. Wow, we, we all need tips on how to play this game then by the sound of it. Uh, it's uh, Yes, you read that right, Chad, 25. And Hannah, 23. They're not even old God, enough to so have... young. <laughs> right, Chad, Chad, 25, and Hannah, 23, will be visiting over 40 countries and possibly more on miles they earned, uh, possibly more on miles they earned, while simply using credit cards on expenses they had to pay over the last year anyway. So two weeks ago, they quit their finance jobs, sold everything and packed into suitcases and two backpacks to embark on their epic journey. After spending a couple of weeks in Hawaii, they plan to fly to Japan next, and from that point, the world is their oyster. Here, oyster. Here is how they made their dream reality. 
all while creating a nice side hustle for themselves and how they say you can do it too. So it all started with a free flight to New York City. The dynamic duo graduated from college just about a year ago, but their journey into the world of travel hacking began a few years earlier. In 2015, Chad was busy looking for a, a coveted finance job on Wall Street while still at college in Utah. After being unable to pay for a plane ticket to New York, poor college student and all, a friend suggested he open a certain credit card and that had a bonus built into it. He ended up booking the ticket for free. So that's when the idea sparks in my mind, he told GMA. After testing the uh, credit card waters over the next year or so, when Chad and Hannah moved to full-time last year, they went pretty hard with a points game. No kidding. They uh, opened up dozens of credit cards and actually boosted their credit score in the process by making sure that they were only using these cards on expenses that they had to pay for. Anyway, that way, at the end of the month, their balances were almost always zero. We were cycling through cards the entire time he said and uh, adding that at one point they had about 26 cards between them <laughs> well now we have just now we now we just have our two cards that we carry with us and use all the time chad said that people always assume they must have spent two hundred thousand dollars or so to get these miles but it's not true in all we spent around about fifty six thousand five hundred dollars he said which is still a high number but we lived in new york city with much higher expenses and we also started a business and were able to pay the engineer their salary using credit leveraging our business expenses he added that over the next year traveling they intend to spend around about a hundred dollars a day on expenses not too shabby uh, I, the, the story goes on but I mean what an amazing uh, <laughs> uh, opportunity what a great way to sort of like, I mean that really is playing the game isn't it uh, it's just like keeping yeah. track of that many cards yeah and absolutely that many I mean, oh that stressed me out far too much it's just like <laughs> I've only got one and I find it highly stressful <laughs> I don't know it's uh, it's just I mean it's I suppose, Nev, I mean, you, you do something sort of, you know, because obviously you're collecting points on, on your card, of course, um, when when you, you book flights and things. I mean, it's just, but even so, I mean, this is an incredible yeah, set they, of numbers. They've, they've done all the research, haven't they, in, in terms yeah. of what credit card to use to get the most points. And it's it's quite a thing, actually, to try and optimise your, your travel. And, of course, so often you you take these flights and you don't get the, the full points so you, yeah. you know you might take quite a long distance flight and you get sort of five points for it or yeah. something rather than 40 or 50 so uh, yeah you've got to do a lot of work beforehand to mm. make sure you get the right numbers but it's uh, it's a great story isn't it it is it really is a sort of like uh, as i say somebody successfully playing the system almost i really rather i really rather like that are, are you a great lover of the uh, the card point system adrian obviously you do a lot of flying yeah, yeah, I do. Um, to be fair, I mean, they're there. You might as well use them. So, uh, yeah, like Nev, I've got the, the BA card. Uh, don't use it as much as Nev does because I tend to choose <laughs> airlines occasionally. But, yeah. Uh, oh, how rude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, the points there, you might as well use them and collect them when you can. But, uh, yeah, the, I mean, not not to the extreme of these two guys. They, they seem to really like it. But it's all good, that, so, yeah, good luck to them. Yeah. yeah, no, really playing the system. I, I'm rather impressed. Yeah. Uh, right, on to the next story then, please, Nev. 
And it's another British Airways story, I'm oh. pleased to say. Surprise, uh, surprise. It's on the businesstraveller.com, and British Airways has announced a new code-share agreement with Indian domestic carrier Vistara. The deal, which launches uh, today for travel from the 27th of September, allows BA customers to book seats on connecting domestic services from Chennai, Mumbai, and Delhi. Uh, BA currently operates double daily flights from Heathrow to Mumbai and Delhi, and a daily service to Chennai, as well as flights to Hyderabad and Bangalore. Uh, the code share expands on the existing interline and check-in partnership between the two carriers. Passengers on code share flights will be able to check their bags straight through to their final destination, will enjoy complimentary meals on Vistara sectors, and will earn Avios and tier points on BA-coded Vistara flights. Commenting on the news, Rishi Kapoor, who's BA's head of alliance, says, uh, we have been flying to India for more than 90 years, so it's incredibly exciting for us to be able to announce this partnership with such a well-respected carrier. We have been wanting to expand our network in this region for some time, and to have Vistara on board is great news for our customers and for companies based in these important cities. Uh, whether it's soaking up the beaches in Goa, Indian's Sunshine State, exploring Kochi, uh, Kerala's uh, colourful city, or taking in the temples and culture of Amrista, uh, this partnership opens up a whole new range of destinations for holidaymakers as well. Well, that's good, isn't it? So I think I'll be off to India at some point this year oh, wow. uh, for Ooh. one of our customers. So I'm going to see if I can uh, uh, jump on this as a jump uh, on the coach yeah. service. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I haven't uh, heard of Fistar actually. It's not an airline no. I was aware of. So yeah. I, I, I presume they're an Indian. Yeah, so they're an Indian domestic carrier then. Yeah. 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 Very good. Well, there we are. So every day is, in fact, a school day, as they say. <laughs> yeah, they've got, uh, just look on Vistara's website, actually, they've, they've got uh, on the website a nice shiny advert saying about their new co-chair agreement partner mm. with uh, with BA, and they've got the picture of the two tail fins of both aircraft on their website. So ah, very good. It's quite a big thing. It's good. Yeah. It's good. So moving on, next story, and uh, Adrian, this one's for you. Okay, so this is from the Grapevine, and it's told uh, Wow Air has ranked the worst airline in the world for oh. flight compensation. Oh dear. So, <laughs> hmm. ah, so Help, uh, focuses on helping travellers receive compensation for flight rates. They weren't exactly full of praise uh, for Iceland budget airline Wow Air. Their ranking system, which rated dozens of airlines around the world for on-time performance, quality of service, and claims processing, ranked well. Um, pretty much last overall in all the categories. They gave the airline a lowly 5.04 out of 10 in the score, uh, with 7.5 on-time performance, 6 for quality, and 1.7 for brain processing. So that seems to be the main area. This means that while Huawei does better than average when it comes to showing up on time, and granted many travellers are willing to sacrifice quality of service in exchange for lower fares, in the event your flight is delayed, you will very likely have a very tough time getting compensated for it. Incidentally, uh, Iceland Air, its neighbour, was ranked 45th out of 72 score in a 7.36 out of 10 in uh, on average, um, 7.8 on time performance, 6.3 for quality, and a nice 8.0 for plane processing. For the curious, Qatar, Qatar, Qatar <laughs> uh, was ranked best in the world overall, followed by Lufthansa. Etihad, Singapore, and South Africa. 
and South African Airways. Right, okay. Mm. I'm surprised, yeah. I was, yeah, so Qatar was ranked best in the world. That's a bit of a... I, I don't know why I find that a surprise, really. Is it? I mean, is it? I, I would have thought it'd been someone like Etihad, or, or maybe even Singapore, perhaps, as as you know, number one. But this is for, obviously for customer flight compensation. But uh, oh, I see. Right, mm. yeah. So not uh, not necessarily because of the standard of flights, but just those that if there is a problem, the ones that are good at paying. Have you flown uh, Wow, Adrian, or not? No, actually, no? I haven't. Um, a couple of months ago, I did go through Iceland to the states with Iceland from Scotland, if well, things, but I'll try them myself yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of surprised, really, with both Icelandic companies having such a poor reputation for this kind of process and seems to go against what you would think it would be like. But, yeah, mm. Okay, right. So moving on to the next story, it's on the belfasttelegraph.co.uk and uh, the headline is, actually I think this is a story, that, um, or similar story to the one that I gave you guys last week, but um, so this is uh, London City Airport, moving back to London City, and oh, yes. the headline, London City Airport setting sights on Airbus passenger plane that is, uh, that's part made in Northern Ireland. Hmm. Okay. So a director at London City Airport has said it hopes to certify the passenger plane, the A220-300, uh, the wings of which are made in, in East Belfast by Bombardier for flights. I'm not going to let you do it. For the oh. airport, the East London Airport already uses the smaller A220-100, originally developed uh, by Bombardier as the C-Series for Swiss International Airlines. Uh, they fly to Zurich and Geneva. Liam McKay, the airport's corporate affairs director, said it hoped to certify the larger A220-300 for use. He said uh, to, he said then the CS100 had been crucial to its campaign for its £344 million city airport development programme, which went uh, on to win planning permission in 2016. While uh, developed and launched by Bombardier, the C-Series is now part of Airbus after it bought a majority stake in the programme renaming its uh, two products the A220-100 and A220-300. Mr McKay said that uh, we were going for planning permission. Uh, the C-Series was front and centre of that campaign because it was the embodiment of the next generation of aircraft that were quieter and more fuel efficient. All those things from a community perspective are all so vital to the expansion. Uh, the CS100, now the A220-100, was performing wonderfully uh, on its Swiss routes to Zurich and Geneva, he said. And Mr McKay said its qualities would be a selling point for other airlines as London City adds more stands to accommodate more airlines and aircraft. For us, as we grow, we start to physically add more stands to accommodate uh, the next generation of aircraft, and we'll be saving, uh, saying to airlines that this is what uh, these airlines do, and this is how they are performing. Looking ahead, he said the airport was preparing to uh, for certification of the A220-300 uh, because we have a short runway. The aircraft need to go through some testing to be certified to fly safely in and out of London due to the steep ascent and descent into the airport. There has to be extensive testing to make sure they can be flown safely. Uh, one of the aspirations would be to get the 300 certified, and we're promoting the 100 uh, series and its ability, and looking to get the 300 certified over the next few years. 
Uh, he said that the route has so far attracted 120,000 passengers this year, around the total across the whole of last year. London City Airport and airline Flybe, which flies to 15 destinations, including London City from George Best, Belfast City. This week supported uh, a Westminster re- uh, reception calling for a new deal on economy here. And uh, it's safe to say that it's um, it's getting more of a busier airport, London City Airport, but I think they can only grow so far, Nev, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and of course the problem they've got, it, it's um, right in the middle of the Docklands area, so there's there's not much they can do with runway capacity and runway length, so they need high-performance jets to get in and out of the place. But uh, no, it's a great um, great story, and if they can operate it in and out of there, I'm not sure what sort of loads they're going to be getting on, on the aircraft, because you can, just looking at the... Um, uh, a220 that we saw at Farnborough that was sort of configured for about 140 seats something like that so um, they're going to be careful on range and that kind of stuff but I think mm. if they can do it uh, it'll be a very popular aircraft indeed yeah, yeah it's good to see that uh, they're getting more more and stuff in that in and out of London it's uh, good to see especially for an airport such as that that is like you said never in a busy area you know this there's mm. there's large buildings all around that uh, that airport mm. and you've you've been you've stayed not too far from there as well haven't you Matt for what's London that City, yeah London City Airport uh yes yeah absolutely when I've been at um yeah we've been various trade shows and things they are mm. they are very much the uh, the, it's it's it was quite funny because I was actually staying there with Owen. It was quite funny, in fact, because a uh, walk that normally takes about sort of seven or eight minutes uh, to get to the XL from there actually took us nearly forty, because somebody kept staring at the aeroplanes that were busy taking <laughs> off every five. I wonder whether they fly from our regional airport to, to uh, London City. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Just be interested to see how much it would cost to get from uh, from the back end of nowhere where we are here in the UK to uh, to London rather than drive. Right. Okay. Yeah. Adrian, you've, have you um, tried London City Airport? No, no, I haven't actually. I would like to. Um, I always kind of like that uh, that old business class flight they do to the US through through Ireland. That looks that looks interesting. But uh, no, not had the opportunity so far. So. So now the next story is uh, one on Flight Global for you. Yes, it is. And this is a good story in the sense because uh, this is an aircraft which has been extremely popular uh, over many years. And it's the Boeing 767, which is operated by IEG's Paris Orly-based brand, Open Skies, has completed its final transatlantic service and been withdrawn from service oh, now. Uh, retirement marked the end of the Open Skies brand uh, from a public, public-facing public perspective. The 767-300ER was the last remnant of the original Paris-based transatlantic 757-767 premium operation set up by British Airways in 2008. Withdrawal of the Open Skies brand is part of the expansion of IAG's low-cost long-haul unit. Uh, the uh, Orly operation is now run with two uh, level-branded Airbus A330-200. For the final Open Skies branded 767-300, the aircraft was operated between Orly and Newark on 2nd of September, and after arrival back in Orly, the 28-year-old aircraft was ferried to St. Athens in the UK for storage. The 189-seat 767 was transferred to Open Skies from British Airways in 2016 to operate Newark services alongside a fleet of three 114-seat Boeing 757-200s. Flight 
Fleets Analyzer shows that the final Open Skies 757 was withdrawn from service on the 25th of August. When IAG last year revealed its intention to retire the Open Skies brand, it told Flight Global that the that Level would take over the air operator certificate of Open Skies during 2018. However, Level France confirms to Flight Global that it's currently using the AOC in the name of Open Skies. Open Skies is the operating carrier for Level France, it says. Our two A330s based in Orly are crewed by Open Sky staff, transitioned from one brand to the other and trained to operate on this aircraft type. Level France adds that whilst ultimately the airline might set up its own AOC for the moment and where it makes sense, Level operates under existing IAG brands AOCs. Meanwhile, British Airways is close to completing the phase out of its 767-300ER fleet after 28 years of operation. Five of the Rolls-Royce RB211 powered aircraft remain in operation with the entire fleet due to be retired by November this year. And on Monday of next week, I shall be on one of those aircraft going to Amsterdam and back ah. in a day on one of the last 767 flights. I was supposed to go on uh, one to Edinburgh uh, last right. week. But it went tech in ah, both directions. Right. Oh. Uh, so, so we ended up on an A321, uh, okay. much to Captain L's amusement. Uh, I, I can't imagine why he'd find that in any way vaguely amusing. Uh, oh, I love the 76. <laughs> what a, what an awesome workhorse. It's, it's another one of these aircraft has done really well for Boeing, I think. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. it's been a real workhorse for uh, many airlines over the years. Just looking on the, the history of that aircraft, that actually first uh, flew uh, on the 19th of November 1990. Wow, that, uh, that particular aircraft now. Right, mm. yeah. but uh, yeah, it's great. I do, I've got, I've had the chance to fly in one uh, with uh, with actually Delta uh, Airlines on a Dash four hundred version yeah. of the seven six. So at least it's one of those ones you can tick off the list there. Yeah. So uh, the last story, and uh, Adrian, this one's for you. This one's got some quite shocking pictures. Of when yeah, I, it this, has, I saw yeah. this story on the news early this uh, this week. Mm. Yeah. So uh, this. Uh, the story is uh, many major airports are basically at near sea level. Um, a disaster in Japan shows what can go wrong. And uh, the photo that Carlos is alluding to is uh, a picture of uh, Kansai Airport in uh, in Japan. And it pretty much, I didn't even believe it was a real photo. I know. It, it, does, it yeah, almost looks like it's been sort of photoshopped, doesn't it? It, it, exactly, it, does, it yeah, just but, doesn't uh, look real. But, for those not looking at it, it's basically showing the, the Kansai Airport and it's pretty much covered in sand, I assume sand, and you can only just about make out uh, the taxiways, you just about see the, the runway. So it's, uh, anyway, the story goes on to say, um, as, a power, as a powerful typhoon tore through Japan this week, travelers at Kansai International Airport looked out on a terrifying void. Where they should have seen a runway, they saw only the sea. They also saw what could be a perilous future for low-line airports around the world. Um, increasingly vulnerable to rising sea levels and more extreme storms brought about by climate change, allegedly. A quarter of the world's uh, 100 busiest airports are less than 10 metres or 32 feet above sea level, according to um, analysis of data from the Airports Council International and Open Flights. And 12 of those uh, airports include hubs in Shanghai, Rome, San Francisco and New York are less than 5 metres above sea level. And uh, just... Uh, Carrying on from there, um, yeah. So, excuse me. Uh, so, uh, 
we are trapped, said the Takayuka Kabatra, a web entrepreneur who'd opt on board a Honolulu bound flame from Kansai, a vast airport on an artificial island near Osaka. We just had to wait for the storm to blow over, scarily enough. Um, yeah, so he. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just. The threat it's just... from rising waters comes as a reckoning for an industry that ranks among major contributors to climate change. Air travel accounts for about 3% of greenhouse gas emissions worldwide, but it's one of the fastest growing emission sources. Uh, given current trends, emissions from international air travel will triple by 2050. This C, the International Civil Aviation Organization has predicted. So, uh, yeah, so that, so it's a, that is a scary situation. To be it's, it, I mean, I, they are shocking pictures, aren't they? And yeah, uh, yeah. whilst you were reading that story, Adrian, we mm. also played a little video that we'd found that um, that somebody had tweeted, um, and it was just literally, it was like, <laughs> I, I suppose it's just crazy. It, it is just crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, this is prior to the sand, so this was during during the storm, if you like. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just awful, really. Isn't it does it? say here that Kansai Airport was built on an artificial island in yeah. part to minimise noise problems. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was just as I was reading, I was thinking that I'd seen a documentary on this in the past on Discovery or something, and, and it was indeed it was built. It was an artificial island built, so uh, hmm, yeah, very scary. But yeah. it's going to take. I mean, look at the damage to the actual. I mean, you can see the amount of um, you know water and sand and stuff on, on the taxiways and the main runway and all the the whole infrastructure of the airport yeah. is completely covered and it's going to take ages to get this it sorted. Is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real shame. They aren't going to be flying from there anytime soon, are they? That's uh, no. that's the long and the short of it, sadly. It's, um, yeah, as I say, great great videos, though, um, you know, mm. of that. As I say, you sort of feel sorry for anybody sort of wrapped up in it, really, but... Uh, uh, I, I don't know that. I mean, what can you do about something like that? I mean, this, this was a freak. <laughs> this was a freak weather event. I mean, you can't, you just can't sort of cover all bases, can you? I don't mm. think that's even possible. Actually, I did notice yesterday because uh, obviously we, our good friend Doctor Steph, yes. over at APG, there was uh, it's quite a large storm heading towards uh, where Doctor Steph is mm. based in the UK, but oh, in the US, sorry. Yeah. But she's, uh, it, it, I did message her and said, you know, are you okay? And yeah. uh, she's going to be okay because it's not going to quite reach that far inland. Is it not? Oh, US, so it should so, be yeah. all right. Yeah. So she should be okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. So that is where we bring the uh, commercial news segment to a close. And um, we have got a very special uh, piece coming up next. So we're uh-huh. going to hand uh, things over to Nev to, to introduce this little segment. Thank you, Rach. Yes, remember Farnborough 2018. Gosh, doesn't it seem a long time ago? It really now, was a long so. time ago. A lot has happened in that short period of time. <laughs> well, it, you may have seen all the, the footage that we shot there of the High Fly A380. And uh, that's been in the news quite a bit, actually. That yeah, aircraft has been used uh, on a lot of sectors uh, recently. And uh, when we were there, we had the opportunity of interviewing uh, Philomena from High Fly, who's the commercial director. Uh, but first, we see the inimitable. Captain Al in the left-hand seat. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very familiar territory for me. Um, one of the aspects of the whole Airbus design philosophy across all of the uh, commercial aircraft is commonality. And here I am sitting on an A380 and so many of the aeroplane controls, functions and systems are ultimately familiar to me. Um, I would be fairly happy to sit here and do the takeoff performance uh, from Farnborough. All of this looks very familiar. Yes, of course, there are four thrust levers where I've been 
formerly used to having just the two but everything is where you'd expect to see it and it's instantly recognisable. It is just a design philosophy that makes the transition from say someone who flies the A320 to the A380 as short as it possibly can be which is good for the pilots and of course it makes absolute commercial sense for the operators of the aircraft because once you're rated on one Airbus the transition to a bigger one or a smaller one is just very simple and straightforward it's largely a differences course. One of the main differences between the later generation Airbuses and the older generation Airbuses is that the newer generation Airbuses have a QWERTY keyboard as opposed to an ABCD keyboard. So Philomena, tell me a little about the commercial operation of this uh, airline. We are a wet clear specialist and we have been operating since 2006. We operate all over the world. Uh, our clients are all type of airlines, uh, play carriers, uh, other companies also. We operate for them when they have uh, a need for aircraft, when they have an AOG, when they need to do maintenance, big maintenance that uh, they need an aircraft for two or three weeks, even longer. Um, or if a company wants to start a new route but doesn't want to go and fetch an aircraft without knowing if uh, if it's established, if the route is going to be a good route. And um, basically this is what we do. And this Which is, is not <laughs> so easy, but this is what we do. And this is the first time you've operated the A380? Yes, it is. The first thing. time. Yes. So this is going to be really interesting to see how, how this works commercially and whether other people uh, are interested in using it. We have clients already interested in the aircraft. Of course, uh, as you understand, I'm not going to give any details, <laughs> but we do have uh, airlines already interested in the aircraft. And this is the largest aircraft you've ever up uh, wet leased? Uh, of course, yes. But we do have uh, quite uh, big aircraft, not as big as this one, but we have long, uh, we have wide bodies. Uh, we only have one narrow body in the fleet, and that narrow body came specifically for a, uh, a contract. Uh, because we don't want uh, narrow bodies in the fleet for now. Um, so we have A330s, we have A340s, 300, 500, we already had uh, 600 also, which is quite big. Um, but yes, this is the biggest one. And will you be carrying a lot of cargo as well as passengers on these services? When it comes to cargo, it will depend of the client, not on us. We don't uh, deal with cargo, we don't sell cargo. We don't. We just rent the aircraft to the client and um, that's it. Then the client, if they have cargo, the passengers, it, it all belongs to the, the, the airline that contracts us. Um, they, they are the ones who issue the tickets to the passengers, they are the ones who deal with the cargo. Basically, we only provide the aircraft, the crew, the maintenance and the insurance. All the rest is the client's responsibility. So literally after that, you're on your own, essentially, as all the insurance and all that kind of thing. But uh, after that, you're on your own, boys and girls. <laughs> God, well, how much that costs? What to, you should, what have, to asked, you for, should, you should have asked her how much to hire ask, for an yeah. afternoon. Can, yeah. I, can I hire the A380 for, um, for an afternoon?
Yeah, wouldn't it be interesting to uh, put a, a request into high fly and say hey, we would like to, to wet these the aircraft for, for a week, uh, fully crewed? Um, how much would it cost? <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we'd need a few million Patreon donators. Are you suggesting you're right? You're suggesting we might not be earning enough to, to do that. I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. What you mean. We yeah. could probably buy a seat. I'm not even sure we could do that, could we? Uh, no, <laughs> Depends no. on where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's flying into Norwich from here, maybe. You yeah. know, if it's flying Beckles to Norwich. Can you An imagine A380 flying into Norwich, and that would be Well, they could get into Norwich. wouldn't get out again. Yeah, well, yeah, no. you just have to dismantle it. But, uh, yeah, no, no. No, that was good. Well done. But great good piece, as always, Nev. Thanks for that. It's, yeah, and uh, thanks, oh, Captain yeah. Al. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel, because given, given how difficult it was to get, because, I mean, I never, me and Owen desperately tried to get on the A380, and, the, I mean, security was, I think it's fair to say, insanely tight. Is that not a fair assumption, Nev? Yeah, they were, and uh, I, I, I'm i not really sure how we managed it ourselves, but we, I think when you've got the, the fluffy mic and, and the ah, slightly yes. pro-looking camera, I think yes, it was, absolutely. Sort of, <laughs> it yeah. was uh, definitely a help. Ne us, never so. mind who's behind <laughs> it operating it, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, well, that, that, that camera and your marvellous muff, sir, have got us some fantastic I, content thus I just far think, already. I yeah. just think that these guys, they just see Nev and just think, oh, did you see that? That's, that's Nev. Yes, that's, it's that's the Neville legend Bounds. it is. It is the legend it is. Yeah. It's Sir Neville of Bounds. We, yes, we must indeed. let them on board. Give them yeah. anything they want. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, including, a, you know, maybe a coffee or a... Or a anyway, yes. uh, should we, we move on? Yes, so yes. moving on, we have, <laughs> okay. uh, we've got, uh, as I said, we've got later on, we've got another awesome piece from uh, Nev, and we've yep. also got a... Uh, plane safety segment as well from Pip. But first, Indeed. we are going to do some military news if everyone's ready. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are. Let's go. And so Matt, by the time that this show is, is it, at the end of the show, Matt's going to sit here and play with all these levels because they've all gone completely Long, to, to pot. Know. Don't worry, don't worry. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, we got a few okay. stories sent in by various listeners this yeah, week. We have, and yeah, uh, this one is on the Times of India. And right. uh, this one is uh, all regarding... Not one I know. <laughs> in regards to a uh, Indian Air Force MiG-27 that crashes mm. in Rajasthan. There we go. Glad you had that one. Yes. Uh, well, the pilot is safe. <laughs> so uh, Good. New Delhi, this one. An Indian Air Force uh, MiG-27 uh, crashed on Tuesday near Jodhpur in Rajasthan during routine mission, and the pilot ejected safely. The Indian Air Force has ordered a court of inquiry into the crash, and the uh, Indian Air Force still has two squadrons of the aging MiG-27 fighter planes that are slated for retirement next year. In June, a MiG-27 uh, upgrade aircraft on a routine mission sortie crashed in the residential area of Jopper and in that crash the pilot uh, uh, flying officer Kadpal ejected safely seconds before the aircraft crashed and there was no loss of human lives uh, at the site of the crash. Two houses and a vehicle parked nearby suffered major damages and the aircraft crashed barely 50 metres from the spot where the pilot himself had a narrow brush with death while ejecting out of an electric transformer in the local Bahrad temple. Uh, last November, another Indian Air Force MiG-27 fighter plane's tyre burst while landing after which it got stuck on the runway at Jodhpur Airport. The incident involves a MiG-27 and uh, while landing, the aircraft's tyres burst and there was some problem with its landing gear. As a result, the plane's nozzle hit the ground uh, it's taking and it's taking longer than expected to uh, to sort things out with uh, with the said aircraft. 
another incident affected the 20, MiG-27 in January 2015 when on a routine mission sortie from uh, Jodhpur Air Base uh, to Utari, uh, it crashed in Rajasthan's Barma while uh, a f- while a fraction of it fell onto a passing motorcyclist. That's unfortunate. Ouch. Uh, the uh, the injured man was on his way to a village apparently uh, for for a wedding. I don't quite know where that matters, but um, uh, but the pilot again ejected safely. Uh, so it's safe to say that the the uh, MiG twenty seven I think is probably due for um, for retirement if it's uh, having this uh, amount of uh, issues, yeah. I should say. But uh, at least the air, uh, the uh, pilot did eject safely out of uh, of the said aircraft. But there are, if you go to uh, on the in- Times of India website, there is a video on there. You can mm. see uh, the uh, the damage and the wreckage of the aircraft. And uh, Matt's is playing out on there. Pilot looks quite um, chilled out. Chilled actually. out, yeah. Considering he's just, probably uh, just having a lie down, isn't from he? A, yeah, uh, absolutely. In a crashing MiG-27, he <laughs> looks fairly well there. Yeah. So uh, next story, uh, Matt, if you're ready, is uh, on the Flight Global side. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and, and it is, uh, yeah, it's a picture story. So It's a tanker like? story. Yeah, it's a picture story. So uh, thanks for that, Carlos. Uh, <laughs> he's forgotten that I'm the one that puts the pictures up, hasn't he? There we are. Anyway, so Singapore's first A330 tanker makes public debut. So I'll put the pictures up in a minute when I finish. The Republic of Singapore's Air Force's first Airbus A330 multi-role tanker slash transport made its public debut on the 1st of September taking part in the service's 50th anniversary parade sporting special anniversary markings and the service registration 761 the adapted wide body had been flown to Singapore's Shanghai uh, West Air Base in mid-August from uh, Airbus Defence and Spaces Modification Site in uh, Getafe near Madrid Uh, the nation will eventually field uh, a six-strong fleet of the tanker transports as replacements for its ageing Boeing KC-135Rs. Airbus says that the refuelling boom and underwing uh, hose and drogue-equipped type will also provide the nation's air force with greater cargo and passenger transport capabilities and enhance its ability to contribute to international humanitarian assistance and disaster relief and peace support operations. So it's... uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, a useful piece of kit by the sound of it. As long as they is this is this the aircraft that's been having the problems with its refueling booms and things, or am I thinking of something else? No, that's the that's a four hundred A four hundred M. Right, they had okay. the issues with that. Oh, but, was it? Um, I just noticed actually the picture on here that's on the um, on the site. You know how we all always joke and laugh about the the fact that um, you know it, it's all grey stuff. Yes, it is uh, very grey. This one, but this it, uh, yes, the, the yes. Japan um, <laughs> or the sorry the Singapore Air Force here appears to they they paint theirs in an even greyer grey. Yes, it's an even grey. It's a darker grey. It's isn't a it? darker grey. Yeah, it's it, you couldn't get much more grey, could you? So moving Indeed. on to uh, the next one, and uh, Nev, uh, this one is for you, this one on Flight Global again. Yeah, it is, and it's about the uh, Boeing, um, which marks uh, the first big dis- defence win in more than a decade with the MQ-25A. Mm-hmm. And uh, on 31st of August, the US Navy awarded the Arlington, Virginia-based division uh, an $805 million 
dollar contract to develop wow. four MQ-25A Stingray carrier-based unmanned refueling aircraft. The fixed price incentive firm target contract provides for the design, development, fabrication, test, delivery and support of the MQ-25A unmanned vehicles, including integration into the carrier air wing for an initial operational capability by 2024. Uh, the US Navy could ultimately buy as many as 72 of these UAVs for a total spend of up to $13 billion. By winning the UAV tanker contract, Boeing beats proposals from Lockheed Martin and General Atomics uh, Aeronautical Systems. Both of those companies chose not to build a prototype before the award was announced whilst Boeing manufactured a full-scale and functional aircraft which demonstrated carrier deck taxiing but has not yet made its initial flight. Boeing has also hedged its bets by joining uh, General Atomics bid as a subcontractor in an undeclared capacity, a sign of how hungry the manufacturer was to win this latest defence contract. Boeing has been shut out of several big deals in recent years, including losing the contract to build the US Air Force's long-range strike bomber in 2015 to Northrop Grumman the, uh, and the joint strike fighter to Lockheed Martin in 2001. As a result, defence revenues at the company have fallen by more than a third from 320 sorry 332 billion dollars in 2007 to 21 billion dollars in 2017 it's a high priority win for Boeing, says Phil Finnegan, who's the director of corporate, corporate analysis at Teal Group. It positions in, them in a medium altitude, long endurance, uh, unmanned aerial system. That's an important market segment. Meanwhile, medium altitude, long endurance UAVs are projected to be the second largest segment of the unmanned aircraft market, worth $22 billion between 2017 and 2026, according to the Teal Group's analysis. The largest segment will be unmanned uh, combat aerial vehicles worth $27 uh, 0.1 billion dollars over the same period it says well it's a, quite a big win isn't it and uh, yeah. of course they're, they're talking these these numbers you know 27 billion dollars yes. here and yes. there and 13 <laughs> billion i mean th these are eye-watering sums but it's uh, clearly a, a very interesting development in i'll tell you what it looks very mm. space agey i was popping some of the pictures up yeah, specifically of the stingray um yeah. that uh, that they they've made and it does look very much it reminds it's me of the awesome. old me and uh, our captain al saw this at farnborough yeah uh, in, uh, it reminds Bones me very much was it, was it the old um is it the old blackbird it looks very much like they that did with its sort of do you know what i mean it's like the sort yes. of i say they they call it the, the, the I say the pictures that i was looking at here they call it the stingray and you can see where where it got its name from because it does look like a, a stingray that you know you'd find at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the sea as it were but it's uh, it's good we had a little chat with the guys in the boeing suite at farnborough this year me and captain al and yeah. they had one of these um kind of um, models on display of this particular mq25 and uh, it the whole you know the whole background and the idea of it is is mm. quite awesome because it is an unmanned you know refueling platform a, yeah literally which a drone quite yeah you know because yeah. normally you know the um, the unmanned uh, aerial drones are normally used for surveillance and and kind of uh, and other sort of missions as such but mm. you don't really sort of think of them as being refueling platforms carrying fuel for um for other jets so that's pretty yeah. cool Absolutely. So the last story uh, is a bit of a feel-good story um, for the last one. And Adrian, this is uh, quite a nice little story here. Yeah, it's a great little story. Um, so it's from Sunday Express, and the title is RAF Hero Flies Again, Age 99. So one of the last surviving Battle of Britain 
pilots has taken to the skies for a final time at the age of 99 in an iconic Spitfire. So uh, Ace Archie Mackay, I hope I got his name right, is one of only six living RF pilots who took part in the Battle of Britain um, um, against Hitler's Luftwaffe and was in what was uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill called the few. Um, the hero who, who lost an arm after being shot down in a dogfight returned to the skies last week in a second World War Spitfire. The uh, two-seater operated uh, from the Battle of Britain Museum in Hawkage, Hawkinge, Kent, was uh, also joined by a one-seater Hurricane, which was actually the plane, that, the type that Archie flew in the Battle of Britain. So the hero who lives near Cambridge beamed with joy as he saw his beloved Hurricane flying on the wing of the Spitfire. And yeah, actually you can see that picture there. It looks, looks incredible. Uh, during the Battle of uh, Britain time and uh, one of him from last week. So uh, the flight was organized and photographed by his pal, Johnny Cracknell, working for the Battle of Britain Museum. Johnny said, there are only eight Battle of Britain uh, airmen left and Archie is the most active. I managed to get him up in the Spitfire and it was amazing. It was unbelievable and surreal experience to see Archie back in the Spitfire again. And the smile on his face when he spotted the Oricon was priceless. So it goes on to say again, there are only six pilots and two aircrew left um, from the thousands who risked everything to protect Britain from the Nazis. And there's a nice picture there of the, the two planes together. Yeah. So uh, Archie joined uh, the RAF in 1938, the year before the work, and completed training in 1940. He flew Oricons as part of the 601 Squadron in Exeter before moving to the 238 Squadron at uh, Chilbolton in, Ham in Hampshire. So after the uh, Battle of Britain ended in uh, 1940, Archie's career took him to sea on board the HMS Victorious, where he was part of the team that hunted the Bismarck. Archie then took part in the North African campaign where he was shot down and lost his arm. There's another photo there of Archie with the plane. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, like uh, Carla said, uh, a real a real great story. I mean, you know, to imagine him going back up at age 99 in a, in a Spitfire. It's, I mean, uh, it must be one of mixed feelings for him, though, mustn't it? All jokes aside, mm -hmm. you know, because, I mean, that, that really might... I mean, if you ever suffered from sort of what they call... I think it was, they call it the post-traumatic stress syndrome. I mean, you, you, you never quite know that. I mean, that must be a really difficult... I mean, it's such an iconic image. The the Spitfire, in, in all circumstances, is such an iconic image, isn't it? It, it just... Oh, it must, I say, real mixed feelings for him, I'm sure. Yeah. You know. I mean, I watched a video. There's a video that, um, I don't know if it's on this website, there's the video that was filmed of him in the Spitfire, and then mm. you, you see him looking across to his left and seeing the, the hurricane flying you know, wow. beside him. And the look on his face, honestly, you could, yeah. that was priceless. You know, he was so chuffed. And to be able to give someone, you know, especially, yeah. you know, of 99 young years, uh, yeah. The opportunity to do this to give is, that a go again. Uh, is yeah, so good. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's really good. What a what a lovely story to to. Could, end I, could I be a, a killjoy? Oh no! I'll go on then. Why did they have to have burnt in time code on that video? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly oh. don't know because I I thought I was doing something wrong here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. Such a shame, really, mm. isn't it? Cause, uh, a lovely yes. video. That's why I aborted it in the end and just went for the pictures because <laughs> it's a lovely video. But yeah, for some reason, and and, and it's nice. No, great news, everyone. It's twenty five frames a second as well. In case anybody else was oh, wondering, I'm proud of that. yeah, not twenty nine point nine. No, no, no. Oh. Sadly, not. No. Yes, I'm I'm with you with on that on that one there. But there we are. <laughs> it was it was worth it because it was still uh, an incredible video yes, video it, it really good. was what a, what and it's sad that we've got you know that you know that obviously the years have gone by and there's, yeah. there's less and less of these pilots still yes. alive now very it, sad. it's it, it's sort of 
cruel cr- life is cruel i yeah. think is the best way mm. to do it but uh, so that I- is where we bring the military segment to a close and uh, we're going to hand things back over to uh, nev again because nev has been busy with his amazing camera and his muff and uh, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> go on tell us nev what have you been doing with uh, with these uh, bits of equipment well, it's always good news when I get my equipment out, isn't it? And, well, um, this, apparently this so, time yes. <laughs> I went down to Brighton on, on the south coast. And I, I know this is a bit of a tenuous, you know, flying experience, Nev's passenger experience. Right, okay. But it is described as a flight, and it is operated by British Airways. So I thought, well, uh, what a great opportunity to go down there because the weather was great and uh, shot some footage. And here it is. Hello everyone, it's Nev here again with a slightly different Nev's Passenger Experience segment this time. On the 1st of September, Mrs Nev and I took a trip on the British Airways I360, which is a 162-metre observation tower on the seafront of Brighton, East Sussex in England, at the landward end of the former West Pier. This was a wedding gift from one of my very best industry colleagues, Inesh Patel, and we were delighted with it, and just to make it even nicer, the weather was absolutely perfect, as you can see. The tower itself opened on the 4th of August, 2016. From the fully enclosed viewing pod, visitors experienced 360-degree views across Brighton, the South Downs, the English Channel, and on the clearest days, it's possible to see Beachy Head, 27 kilometers to the east, and the Isle of Wight, 79 kilometers to the west. The BAI 360 was designed, engineered, manufactured, and promoted by the team responsible for the London Eye. It's estimated by the developers that the I360 will generate more than 440 permanent jobs, 160 posts at the attraction and additional jobs from the spin-off benefits to other businesses in the city. The attraction cost £46 million, with £36 million being funded by a public works loan. Formerly known as the Brighton I360, the project aims to attract 739,000 paying visitors each year. The owner of the site, the West Pier Trust, hoped in 2014 that a successful I360 would lead to the rebuilding of the historic West Pier. Pod flights depart every 30 minutes with rides lasting approximately 20 to 25 minutes. The glass viewing pod itself is fully enclosed and spacious. It's 10 times the size of a London Eye capsule. There is room for up to 175 visitors to stand at the edge of the pod and look out or to move around and see the view from different angles. The sky bar on board the pod serves Nye Timber sparkling wine and other drinks from Sussex, so you can raise a glass of something special whilst taking in the views. BA's in-flight crew welcome you on board, point out landmarks and answer any questions that you may have. The pod is heated and air-conditioned to ensure year-round comfort and it is fully accessible for wheelchair users. A viewing map is available and a multilingual app can be downloaded before you board. The app itself has pre-flight information about how British Airways I360 was built as well as an in-app viewing map and a children's section with fun facts and a treasure hunt. The content can be enjoyed in a choice of languages including English, French, German, Spanish, Italian, Dutch, Portuguese, Russian, Japanese and Mandarin. All in all this was a fantastic experience and I would absolutely recommend this to anyone that's planning on visiting the south coast of England. Once again my heartfelt thanks to my friend Inesh 
for treating Mrs Nev and I to such a special trip. Ah, oh, that looked like a huge amount of fun, Nev. Yeah. It was. And you also get to, got to hear the full Nev's passenger experience. <laughs> oh, I know. We never hear well. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but uh, no, it was a great day out, and uh, I really do recommend it. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating to see. Uh, how many people they can get in this thing? It was, I think yeah. 175 people, but uh, a lot yeah, of people. really superb. So, uh, yeah, I uh, would definitely recommend that to you. Now we have got... Oh, yeah. hello. Uh, oh, hello. You're right, Adrian. Adrian's collapsing. Fallen over. We have got a very uh, couple of very important questions from the chat room for you, actually, Nev. Oh, no. uh, first one's from Neil Lamborn. He says, what are the bar prices like? Yeah, they were a bit on the high side. We didn't actually buy any drinks whilst we were there, but uh, yeah, I would imagine they're going to be uh, pretty pretty hefty, I would say. Yeah. And uh, Pilot Pip has asked the all-important question, can you use Avios points? <laughs> uh, no, sadly not. No, you've got to use real money uh, oh, to buy it, and you don't earn any Avios points either, I don't think. So, oh. uh, no, it's it's a cash transaction. Oh. But as it was a gift, I don't actually know how much it was. Right. Oh, okay. but, uh, but I don't think it's that expensive. I think it, it's it's pretty good. And um, But... Uh, no, I think it's a, a very, very good, uh, very good attraction. Yeah, absolutely. No, good, great. Yeah, it looks it's, good. Uh, yeah, definitely. As I say, well, you know, you're high, you're high enough up. You know, I suppose it does qualify as a, as a, you know, sort of flying. Sort of flying. You sort of fly. <laughs> you fly upwards, don't you? Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yeah, indeed. So we have got uh, a very important segment that's been sent in by uh, Pilot Pip yes. for the show this week. He uh, he tends to send us you know one in you know on the one every, on the flight one every uh, yep. six years yeah. and <laughs> that's and, very and unfair on that point Pip we're waiting for the next uh, the next plane safety podcast uh, episode when's mm. it going to be coming ah out? yes anyway. well I, I actually details of that I think uh, do oh, actually appear oh, in this okay. so uh, this so is a bit of a, a precursor to a forthcoming episode that he's got in production oh. so we're going to hand things over then to the awesome chap that is Pilot Pip. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi everyone. I'm here with a little taster segment, a little amuse-bouche, if you like, for an upcoming episode of the Plane Safety Podcast, planesafetypodcast.com. As some of you will know, uh, apart from flying, one of my other great passions is astronomy and the night sky and space physics and all that sort of stuff. So something that's been rumbling around in my head for a long, long time is to somehow combine the two and to produce an episode on celestial navigation, astro-navigation, using the, the night sky, the natural environment to navigate. Now, I'm very much an amateur at this. It's a little bit of a hobby, but I thought I'd just give you a little taster for it. Now, aviation and navigating and the night sky go hand in hand together going back to the very beginnings of aviation, those pioneering flyers, aviators back in the day, knew intimately the night sky and the stars and the movements of the sun and the moon and how to use those to navigate across the world. And in fact, even before that, going back hundreds, if not thousands of years, the early navigators traveling across the Atlantic, the original Hawaiians traveled across thousands of miles of the Pacific Ocean from Tahiti to find their current native land. So this is not a new thing. And actually, rather disappointingly, or rather sadly perhaps, we've, in the modern day, really lost touch with using our, our natural environment to navigate by. In fact, many of us, I suspect, are totally unfamiliar 
with the night sky, which is a great shame, I think. So, in this little short segment, I'm just going to give you a couple of hints. Now, you don't need to be an expert to navigate your way around the night sky or to use the night sky, just to get some basic information. You can easily, within just a few minutes and just a little bit of basic know-how, use the night sky to find um, east and west, north and south, which hemisphere you're in, which latitude you're at. And in fact, I'm going to give you just a little hint now, just a little short technique on how to work out your latitude i.e. how far north or south you are on the planet. So if you suddenly woke up from a coma one day in the pitch black and you looked up at the night sky, you could use this technique to give you a rough idea of perhaps where roughly on the planet you are. Now, this comes with a little caveat. When whoever it was, they ever they were, whatever it was, created the universe and the night sky, they looked at us and thought, hmm... Well, those people in the Southern Hemisphere, the Australians and the Kiwis and everyone else, well, they're pretty clever people. They don't need any big hints in the night sky. But those Northern folk, those Brits and Europeans and Americans, they're going to be pretty dumb. So we're going to need to put some great big signposts in the sky for them to use. So rather luckily, in the night sky in the Northern Hemisphere, we have a star which we call Polaris, or the North Star, which is very conveniently located almost exactly directly above our North Pole. And we can use that to establish our latitude. So let's just take a step back for a second. Um, imagine, if you will, a ball, a sphere. Uh, yes, flat earthers, get over it. The Earth is a sphere. Imagine that sphere inside a much larger sphere. So we're on that centre sphere, that centre ball, that's the Earth, and projected onto this onto the inside edge of this much larger sphere is the night sky. Now, as we all know, when we look up at the night sky, the thousands of stars that we see, some of them are in fact quite close to us. Um, when I say close, I mean 10, 20 light years away. Uh, others are much, much further away, thousands of light years away. But actually, that really doesn't matter when it comes to, to this particular topic. We can think of them all on a inside of a two-dimensional surface. And so if you take a line from the very centre of the Earth and extend it upwards through our exact North Pole and then continue that line up to infinity, up to the inside edge of this much larger sphere, it will almost exactly touch Polaris, our North Pole. Now actually Polaris, our North Star, isn't exactly coincident with the, the North Pole but it's within less than a degree. Uh, so if you're doing things like... Um, astrophotography, as I'm uh, another hobby of mine, I'm again very much a beginner, but if you want to take long uh, duration exposures of the night sky, you need to have a very accurate uh, tracking telescope or tracking camera. Uh, so you, need to, you do need to adjust ever so slightly for the fact that Polaris isn't exactly above the North Pole, but as they say, it's close enough for government work. It's within about a uh, a degree or so. So what that means is as you look at the night sky everything seems to rotate around Polaris. Polaris will maintain its position in the night sky whereas everything else will move in a circle around it. And of course actually that's just the movement of the Earth. The stars in the short term at least aren't really moving. Uh, just an interesting side note, right now Polaris is our north star. It won't always be and it hasn't always been um, 
the Earth is tilted ever so slightly, 23.5 degrees off its axis, and like any sort of spinning top, it does wobble a little bit. So over very long periods of time, we're talking tens and tens, or hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years in fact, the appearance of the stars does change ever so slightly. So, you know, in half a million years or so, Polaris will not be our North Star. It would have shifted somewhere else. Anyway, I'm waffling. Now, because of the fact that Polaris is exactly, almost exactly um, above our North Pole, then it gives an immediate indication of your latitude on the Earth. From whichever point in the Northern Hemisphere you are viewing it, that angle between the horizon and the Polaris in your night sky, in your location, that angle is your latitude. It corresponds exactly with your latitude. Or in other words, how far south of the North Pole you are. By convention, we call the North and South Pole zero degrees, and the equator halfway in between them is 90 degrees. So job one of this little technique is to find the North Star, to find Polaris in the night sky. And as I said, those people, whoever he, she, it was that created the universe, if you believe in that sort of thing, um, gave us a great big signpost in the sky which rather conveniently points directly to the North Pole. So what you need to do is go out into the night sky. Uh, anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere will do. You Southerners, I'm sorry, but you're smart. You've got your own methods of doing this. Uh, go out into the night sky. Anywhere above around 40 degrees north, um, this signpost is visible throughout the year. This is, I'm talking about Ursa Major, the, the Great Bear. Uh, it has different names around the world. In the UK, we call it the plow. Uh, in America, they call it the Big Dipper, which I believe is some sort of deep fat frying saucepan. Uh, trust the Americans to look at something beautiful like the night sky and immediately think of fried food. But you need to find the Big Dipper, but it's a very obvious uh, asterism in the night sky. It's a very obvious pattern. And as I say, it's visible all year round in the night sky. Uh, it's a circumpolar above uh, the mid-northern latitudes, but it's visible, most of it is visible uh, from most of the northern hemisphere all throughout the year. So go out. It's pretty easy to find. It's made up of seven bright stars. It looks like a great big saucepan. Um, the seven big stars, if you're interested, are called um, going from the left-hand side as you view it, the handle of the saucepan, if you like, uh, Alcade, Mizar, Aeolith, and then the body of the saucepan is Margres, um, Fezda, Marek, and Dube. I'm not entirely sure of the pronunciation of that last one, actually. But it's those last two stars, Marek and Dube. This is the far right-hand edge of the saucepan. If you draw a line extending upwards from those two stars, follow the line up, and the first bright star you get to is... Polaris is ever so slightly to the right of that extended line, but it's super easy to find. Now, depending on exactly what time of night you're out there looking at it, you might find that the um, Ursa Major, the Big Dipper, the plow is on its side. It might be upside down. It might be uh, pointing this way or that way. But actually, it doesn't matter because all the stars appear to be rotating around the North Pole. So that alignment won't ever change. So those last two stars on the right of the of the plow extend that line upwards and the first bright star you get to is polaris our north star so now you've found the north star you just need to work out what that angle is between your local horizon and polaris now the best way to do this would be to use a sextant or some other angle measuring device now sextants actually you can buy them on on amazon 
for not that much money and they're great fun to play with you can even uh, even better even more fun is you can make your own one you can buy cardboard kits great project to do with the kids and you can make a reasonably accurate sextant so perhaps you might uh, have a go at that it's good fun but if you haven't got a sextant to hand as most of us probably haven't well it, actually it's quite easy to approximate that angle to work it out pretty roughly by using your fists now everyone's got different size fists and different length arms but if you hold your fist out at arm's length that angular distance that your fist covers is about 10 degrees so if you play um, you know one potato two potato with your fist if you level out get one fist on the horizon and then start counting fists upwards each fist is about 10 degrees so when you get up to the Polaris stop and then take a sort of a, an estimate of exactly where Polaris is on your fist and that will be your latitude dead simple so for me if I stand in my back garden I can count up one fist two fists three fists four fists five fists five and a bit fists it's about 52 degrees north give it a go tonight on the next clear night go out have a look see if you can work it out and then just compare it with your iPhone or something and see how close your estimate of your latitude is and that's just one super easy little tip for using the night sky to orientate yourself to navigate uh, if you got the know-how the knowledge a little bit of maths not too complicated and some tools like a sextant you can use the night sky the moon and the sun to perform some truly magnificent feats of navigation you can navigate your way across the entire globe with pinpoint accuracy so hopefully I'll be discussing that in a little bit more depth on an upcoming episode. But for now, this is just a little taster. Hope you enjoyed that. Go out, have a look at the night sky and give it a go. Until the next time, everybody, take care and fly safe. All that old school tech <laughs> to, uh, to navigate. I'm, I'm, I'll just use me. Uh, why is that on the phone? When you call that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you you still have to learn it, don't you? I mean, when you're learning to fly and stuff. Oh you, yeah, you still have your, still your old have your school wheels and whiz stuff, wheel yeah, and, yeah. and maps and stuff, which Adrian will know all too well about. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not going to go into any uh, conversations about our our uh, navigation. Um, flights no. that we um, do you know I, had. Do you, I can't I can't help but feel that there's a little bit of an in joke with the rest of us <laughs> humble mortals Nev I'm feeling a bit left out of, a, out of the loop here uh, a bit. I, don't, uh, I don't know what he's talking all, about all I'm going to say all I'm going to say we have an interesting mission all I'm going to say all I want to say, though, is that I, I really wanted to see Alton Towers from the sky, but never actually got to see it from the sky. It doesn't, exi it doesn't exist, Carlos. We looked everywhere for it. I'm quite we did sure look everywhere. We did actually. <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite sure in, Merlin Entertainment will in, disagree in our, with you. In, though, our defense, in our defence, though, there was a rather nasty storm front coming in, wasn't ah, there? We had to yes. get back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got, all, see, that? Nev, all I'm hearing is excuses. I don't... I don't they did actually excuse in early, aren't they? Yeah, it's quite funny. We can actually get a terrain warning as well if you have the cars. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we are live, gentlemen. Perhaps I should just remind you, we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry. 
Anyway, I'm I'll just like to point out, that, point out that Adrian is a, is an all, all, awesome pilot, and he's yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah. a great chap to go flying with. Yeah, yeah, all part of the fun. Yeah, all part of the fun. So uh, thanks for that, Pip. That's uh, very kind of you to send yeah. that across to us, and uh, we hope to uh, hear the latest episode of the Plane Safety Podcast yes. ASAP. www.planesafetypodcast.com, as he said at the top of the segment yeah, there, if yeah. you want to catch his latest episode. So Adrian, we obviously uh, we've got you on the show as a guest, and uh, we haven't spoken to you for a okay. while, but you've you've been. It's safe to say you have done quite a, a bit of flying in various airlines and various uh, um, um, parts of the aircraft, as in first and business and uh, premium. So how's it, how's it all been? Yeah, yeah, great. Um, as you know, I've got my own company, so I've been pretty busy uh, sort of traveling across the States mainly, probably every six weeks, something like that. And uh, yeah, I think I've explored almost every airline and every class going, uh, obviously, to from a cost point of view, you, you always want to sort of go the best, but you have to start working your way down the list. But uh, no, I've had some, I've had some interesting, interesting flights this last sort of six or eight months. Yeah. So, any uh, particular airlines stand out for you then, uh, Adrian? As, uh, as to, for serve for service. Uh, for service, uh, I was lucky enough to upgrade and go Virgin Opie class, so that was a nice experience from uh, Manchester to Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, that was an interesting flight. You know, they've got the bar on board, and uh, without too much need dropping, I ended up surreally drinking whiskey with face off the A-team on a plane. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not sure. I think Carlos will probably see the I've seen the picture, that, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was kind of funny. So that, that was good. That was one of the better moments. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I must admit, the Virgin upper-class product is is great, and I really wish I could fly upper-class all the time. So, did, did you get no, the little I macaroons? I generally aim yeah. for premium economy with Virgin or BA. Um, it's, I think, value for money-wise, it's great. Um, and then occasionally I upgrade with Miles or or through Lock or whatever. Or if I'm feeling really uh, <laughs> really tired, yeah. then occasionally I pay money and upgrade, but uh, not all the time. No, I bet. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and we'd all love to do it, wouldn't we? But I mean, mm. let's be honest. I mean, these prices are, are eye-watering, aren't they? I mean, and even you know, you've got to be pretty tired to but to want to sort of stick that on the old credit card, don't you? It's, uh... Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the problem is, as, as Nev knows, once once you've been, once you've turned left, you you, yes. you want to keep turning left on the plane, yeah. and that's that's a real <laughs> dilemma. So you spend your time on the on the internet trying to find you know bargain uh, bargain business flights and I, you know I've tried them all I've, I've done the Icelandic uh, Manchester through Reykjavik to JFK with the Saga class which I've got to be honest it's kind of advertised as business class but I, I, I don't think the seats are any bigger than premium economy if I'm being totally honest about wow. it so I mean it's, it's a good price uh, but I wouldn't class it as uh, business I think value for money I would have to say Norwegian Norwegian was really? a great flight. Was that on the Dreamliner, uh, Adrian? It was indeed, yeah. yeah. I had to, uh, in fact, I was downloading anyway, so it wasn't a problem, but I flew out of Gatwick to Fort Lauderdale. Um, I was in Miami for a conference. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, one of Steph's conferences. But, right, uh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I, I booked the Norwegian, which again is advertised as business. Um, I would class it as premium economy, but I've got to say it was, you know, being the, the dreamliner and uh, the seats were really nice. The, the service was great, and I, I can't remember the price now, but uh, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good, to be fair. I did like it. Um, and then the other end, uh, a 
couple of months ago. I, I had to get back from the States in a bit of a rush and uh, change my tickets. And I ended up on a full economy Thomas Cook flight from Orlando back to Manchester. So that was wow. interesting. Was that a 3.30? Yeah, I'm guessing that was a 3.30? It was indeed a 3.30, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, I managed to get some extra legroom seats. And, you know, I've got to be honest, it, it was good. It was good. Again, I think it was... It literally was a few hundred pounds. I think it was three hundred and something pounds, you know, back from back from Orlando to Manchester. So you know, it was okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've tried. I've tried them all, as I'm sure uh, most of you. Are. You spend your time kind of on the internet, like I said, just just searching and searching and uh, trying to find the best the best deals. And uh, yeah, it's okay. But I, t- I try to generally go from Manchester. So um, Virgin's always the kind of first one that comes up. Um, yeah. To go with BA, I have to go through Heathrow, which is which is no bad thing. It's quite nice, quick, quick transit through Ned's terminal, Terminal Five, and uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I've been doing lots of uh, commercial flying, um, not so much GA flying. Uh, yes, I I am a. I'm allegedly a pilot, but I've not been on much recently. But I do want to put that right soon. So. Yeah, because you you had your own, you obviously had your own aircraft, Shady Lady, the uh, Cessna. Uh, the one was at the 150 when it you had, um, but uh, unfortunately you've uh, you've parted company with her. Uh, indeed, yeah, yes, as you know, um, I think year year and a half ago, my friend and I went and bought uh, when we both got our licenses, we went out and bought a Cessna 150, and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't exactly recommend the experience. I think um, <laughs> I think it's probably it's a good way to lose a lot of money very very quickly. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the cost they just they just keep stacking up. You know. The, yeah. The annual, the six month, the hangar fees. Uh, you, you, some reason we keep having to have the nose wheel replaced, the, the seals in it. So you know, must be just something about our landings, I guess. I don't. <laughs> know. It's uh, no, it's not the cheapest thing in the world. And eventually, we kind of, my friend and I, reached the conclusion that we would be a lot better just hiring them from the local. Airfield. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose, in reality, that that's almost like the, I suppose it's a sensible thing to do. So, especially given how busy you are, of course, you're you're not able to do the amount of GA flying that you you would have liked. Uh, and of course, as you say, if you're not able to do that, of course, you've got a very expensive piece of kit just sitting around doing nothing. Because oh yes, and 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 even with it's not just the hangar fees that keep on coming if you don't yeah. fly. Like I said, the you know the six monthly, the annual, the, the bills yeah. just keep coming, irrelevant if you're flying yeah. the thing or not. So uh, well, and if you're not so, if you're not not doing as much flying as you hope then as you say almost renting a club plane uh you know as all right so you are paying sort of one one might argue you are paying over the odds if you like for that privilege but if you work that out over how much it's costing you while it's sat on the ground you're not able to fly it i suppose it's it sort of swings around about isn't it it's uh yes you're exactly right i mean if if i actually added up or i took the cost per no, hour no no, no don't don't do that plane, no I, I, I don't even want to do <laughs> no, it no no don't 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 do it oh, sorry the, the wife's not the wife's not watching yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure I could have hired Pilot Pip. <laughs> oh right, okay. Gone for the ultimate in luxury. Yeah. Done, so. yeah. No, it was. Uh, I guess it was one of those experiences. You just mm. like all things in life, you have to go through it sometimes. But to, to know what's best at the end. To know what's best, and yeah. no, I think uh, I think just hiring one from the local airfield is is by yeah. far the best. Absolutely. Which is an awesome field, um, Tate mm-hmm. Hill, where. Um, Close to where Adrian or where you are, Adrian is like it's a it's su- it just blew me away how bl- blinking nice that F is. is. Yeah, you know it's yeah it's a beautiful GA field, loads of room, really nice clubhouse. Yeah, you're lucky there, Adrian. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, so it's got a, it's got a great runway, a nice long one. Luckily for me, so it's uh, it's good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Will you no, stop putting yourself down? Practice this all, so, yeah. yeah. So have you, you got any planned for for soon, uh, Adrian? You're going to take the uh, the uh, Piper or the Cessna up? For the yeah, I, I'll def I think I'll definitely stick with the Pipers now. So um, I did do a conversion to Piper and took one up a few times earlier in the year. So I'll just. Uh, do a quick, quick lap, a couple of laps with my instructor just to refresh, and then, uh, and then I'll, I'll start hiring the, one of the PAs. They've got, they've got five, <laughs> five PAs, so various uh, variants of them. So yeah, we're, I'm pretty lucky there. We've got a nice airfield, I'm nice up. planes to hire, pretty good price. So. Yeah. I must admit, I'm rather liking uh, Ben's chat uh, comment in the chat room. There, he says, "You don't fly EJ GA for the price; you fly because you can." Yeah, but it, it also gets the point where you're almost scared to fly it because you're going to break it. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. oh, no, no, it, it was good fun. It was good fun. I, I don't regret it. You, you should never regret these no. things in life. But no, 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 no. experiences and. Uh, Yes, my wife Jill. She didn't fully realise how much it was costing us. Right. No. Oh, <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll gloss over that and move on. Yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. We'll pretend that conversation. But on on the subject yeah. of the yeah. of the Cessna and obviously the PA, obviously mm -hmm. one's a low wing and the Cessna's the high wing. Obviously, what's your preference? Because obviously you learn you you've flown both, um, low or high wing. Hmm. Interesting. Different, that's for sure. I was surprised how different it was. I mean, as you know, with the low wing, you, you you know, when you're kind of just about to land, I mean, it just sits and floats there. It's uh, it's really strange. But I think, I mean, the visibility in the high the high wing's better. Mm. So, and it's the Cessna's much easier to fly. I would say to uh, set it up for landing. I mean, they're pretty much uh, coming on its own. You know, they're, they're easy. But uh, but for the extra power, the extra space, definitely the definitely the PA yeah that's for sure mm. yeah Which you've had the chance of you, you flew in that didn't yeah. you Matt what's that yeah. the PA you flew in Captain oh, I did, Al's I did PA, didn't I did didn't I yes absolutely yes. That, was a, that was a real uh, I mean the trouble is, is I having never been in a Cessna I suppose I've got no that's my own GA, GA experience yeah. so I hadn't really got anything to sort of compare it with but uh, no I mean it's... I mean, if myself, if you and myself flew in, flew in a Cessna I think cosy I think would be the word Matt I think <laughs> ah, yes yeah absolutely it's <laughs> alright you're suggesting it may pay to know each other uh, in order yes. to yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah. we certainly would afterwards so. yeah. 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 absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Nev you yeah, got any questions for uh, for Adrian at all yeah I was just going to ask you actually Adrian in terms of the um, the cost of, of doing these trips I mean let's be honest you know it's, it's very rare to get good deals on on flights these days especially in premium economy but um, I just think that they are they can fill every single flight. There are very few flights these days that have lots of empty seats and I think that's because there are fewer flights at the moment and they, they know that they can fill all the seats. What what would out of all the aircraft and all the operators that you've uh, been on in the last few months, what, what would you say was the what was the, the best experience for you? Um I've got to be honest, Virgin and BA are pretty close, I would say. As does Overall, I probably just about prefer Virgin. Mm. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, you know, but I've, I'm not, and I've got to be honest with BA. I've had a lot of upgrades with BA, sort of free upgrades. So I, you know, I've, they've been good to me. There's no question about that. We've mm. uh, few times I've flown to the states, one with my daughter, and they upgraded us both into into business from premium there and back. So I, I can't criticise BA in that sense, but 
you take the overall package, the service from the, the staff, et cetera, I'd say Virgin just slides, slightly exit. But again, I'll go back to Norwegian. I think and, value for money. It's, it's and great. how does that how does that compare? Um, so, so so let's let's do a direct comparison, say between BA and and Virgin. Um, so you're sort of saying you're getting a you know. On, in the main, you're getting a betting experience from from Virgin. How does that compare price-wise? I mean, are you getting better value for money as well? Oh, it's it's a tricky one, as Nev's probably looked look many times. It, it it really depends. It's you, sometimes um, BA seems cheaper, sometimes Virgin seems slightly cheaper. But uh, but as uh, as Nev started alluded to earlier, the flights are pretty much full now, so I think they they can set up quite a good price, and they know right. they're going to sell the ticket. Whereas I can remember 15 years ago, you you quite often go across the states on a plane, and you would you wouldn't need to go in business because you could almost guarantee you get three or four seats next year that would be empty to lie across. But uh, mm. no way these days. I mean. They, yeah. They're, they're pretty much sold, um, sell every ticket. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's so, great. It's, um, it's great news for aviation, isn't it? Really, if you think, I mean, if these routes are, are are you know well sold, then it means that you know at least <laughs> at least the flights are continue going, I suppose. And especially in your case, Adrian, where you are having to go over to the states regularly, obviously for for work. Um, you know, I mean, you need these routes to to sort of be earning their keep, I suppose. Really, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I say it. See, it, it, it just depends on the timing, and uh, mm. you know, I've, I've not, I've not f fully uh, solved the algorithms yet of ticket pricing, <laughs> but I'm sure there is one. People talk about <laughs> booking a flight on a Tuesday in the middle of the night, and you get a cheaper price, yeah. and all these things. I've not. Well, it's really is, uh, is very good. Our colleague uh, Michelle, who runs the website Turning Left for Less, and mm -hmm. we interviewed her. I interviewed her. A, a, I think it was last year, actually. Mm. Uh, she's got some very good hints and tips uh, for for working these things out so mm -hmm. it's definitely worth having a look on her, her website and on her, on her twitter feed but uh, yeah, yeah it, it is will. it is pretty difficult actually to, to try and work it out for yourself yeah. yeah and of course invariably uh, as as these things always work out the the cheap flights are never available when you need to go of course because that, that's that's exactly. how it always yeah. works yeah exactly it's, that's exactly right it's uh, it's just one of those things in life isn't it but uh, yeah yeah yeah, but back to the original question, like I say, Virgin, BA, I think I think their premium economy is quite a good product, I think. Uh, well, I think we, he, we're going to get Nev to sit down with you at some point and do yeah. a proper NPE and we'll get sort of the nitty-gritty. The, the, the that's the plan, yeah. Adrian. We, Nev, Nev is going uh, to sit down with you and uh, do a, a nice extensive NPE segment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I think indeed. you are the man to talk to when it comes to uh, yeah. the passenger experience. So uh, give yourself a little bit of a plug, Adrian. So you are you are in the manufacturing business, which is very exciting because yeah, the UK away. is rather guilty of uh, being a, a service industry. So it's nice to hear somebody still makes stuff. <laughs> we do, yes. Uh, yeah, I've got my own company, as, as you know, uh, ICAM Solutions Limited, and we do industrial control systems, factory automation. So it's uh, very good at the moment, very busy. Um, uh, expanding into different industries as well, so that, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, are we are we allowed to ask further questions, or is it all a bit hush hush at the moment? Ah, no, 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 no. We uh, we we do automation systems. We we're lucky enough to get into uh, some, some car factories, some very exclusive car factories, and um, uh, we were in JCB recently, so Ooh, I know hey. uh, Nev, Nev goes yeah, there. So I'm, sure, I'm sure you've popped into the uh, yellow tractor company. <laughs> I have indeed, quite recently. So, uh, no, I'm very, very pleased. I'm very, very proud of my company, and it's it's going the right way. So, yeah, it's great to be actually manufacturing something new. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, on my continue. 
Keeps me busy, that's for sure. And uh, I'll tell you what, seriously, because I I do keep mentioning this, and we are going to have to sit down and do this at some point. We are going to have to have that Brexit show that I keep talking about. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on. Adrian, Adrian, we'd love to have you on that, actually. As a manufacturer, it'd be great to sort of have a bit of a, you know, sort of a a chat about that sort of thing. I've got an idea. Should we do the show like that, but should we do it after March the 29th? No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, It's uh, it's much more fun to guess, because that's what everyone else is doing. Let's be honest. Actually, Nev, I thought you were going to tell us all about uh, that particular person you were sat with on the train uh, a few days back. <laughs> Let's not do that. No. <clears throat> but, uh, yes, okay. I was <laughs> coming home from London quite late one night. Uh, in fact, what was it? Was it Thursday? It was Thursday. But yes, uh, Boris Johnson was on the same train as me. We had, we had a bit of a chat. Did you? <gasps> Did you not have your ta- you didn't have your Tascam to hand? Oh, I'm very sorry to hear uh, no, that. No, I didn't actually know. <laughs> but uh, he, he was being bothered by a few people as well, which I thought was a little bit unfair. Because oh, okay. all he wanted to do was uh, Just go read home. his paper and go home, I think. But, to be honest, uh, I was I, a small part of me was uh, sort of slightly surprised to discover that he was in cattle class um, but uh, well Chiltern Railways only has one class right uh, with, okay. on those services but it's okay you know it works anyway that is where we're going to have to uh, wrap up episode number 233 uh, Adrian thank you so very much for joining yes. us it's been a real pleasure well, to have you on thanks for having me on uh, always a pleasure absolutely as I say and seriously as a manufacturer we're going to have to have him on when we have our Brexit chat aren't we because yeah, he's knowing yeah. all things aviation and that, and so. don't forget as well, like we said earlier, um, we are going to uh, do a special segment with uh, with Adrian and yep. Nev's going to going to join up with uh, Adrian and do a special MPE segment all about yeah, uh, that. that. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. Indeed. So don't forget, you can uh, find us over at uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. We are on Twitter at Plain Talking UK. Uh, don't forget us on Facebook as well, where you can find catch up on the ins and outs of what we're doing and stuff on Facebook. And also, don't forget on the website site you can go on the uh, store page and grab yourself a PTUK t-shirt on there uh, which is uh, we send all around the world. Do, In fact, I'll just brought one round here today. Actually, you have actually, yes, because we've got one to because uh, I'm one I'm hand delivering. Hand is, delivering, yeah, Matt. That good is hand delivering. Yeah, so, uh, so you can grab yourself a t-shirt on there as well. There's also some pictures in the gallery, I think, from uh, Farnborough as well. You can click on there. There's some pictures on there from uh, our recent trip to Farnborough 2018. Mm. You can see those, and uh, yeah, click on there, have a look, and uh, find out more about us as a show indeed yes so uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook uh, or Twitter so basically search for us on social media uh, put into your various because we're on Instagram and all sorts so as long mm. as you search for Plain Talking UK mm. that's a Plain Talking UK you'll find us on social media please do send in your audio feedback we had some audio feedback this week which I'm looking forward to playing out in the coming weeks yep. and uh, it's a podcast at plaintalkinguk.com that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and I think we've still got some footage left uh, uh, from oh, we've got Farnborough and we've got and loads and of footage and all to play. Yeah, no, yeah. Lots, lots yeah, of yeah, we've got lots more to come for that so that'll be uh, nice to play out in the coming weeks yeah, yeah excellent yeah. so Nev thanks again as always for joining us today pleasure hope we all have a good day and hope everyone has a nice Sunday and Adrian Indeed. again thanks for joining us and uh, uh, taking time out your Sunday to uh, to be on the show hope you're, uh, hope, you're, hope you're well and have a great uh, weekend what's left of it yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Well, that is where we bring episode number 233 of the show to a close. Don't forget we have uh, the show coming back again next Friday. We're going to be live next yes, Friday. Got, and we have a guest. We do. A young lad by the name of Ben Rourke. Now, basically, prepare to all feel very old is uh, what I'm going to tell you mm. with this one. Because this, this guy who I actually met in my capacity as a coach driver, believe it or not, and I've done a trip down to Guildford for uh, uh, three or four days uh, on, a, on a field course trip. And I was sort of chatting with him over lunch. And, um, yeah, it's, it, as I say, prepare to feel very old. That's all I'll say about it. But he's, he's doing a lot of GA flying. And, uh, and he's, he's a bit like uh, so many people I could name who randomly get on an airplane and just off they go. But uh, So that's it. That's where we bring the show to a close. Uh, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.